take a seat. Wow, it's really lovely to be with you this morning. I am actually here a lot. I'm just downstairs, as Sam said. So Ben and I run the kids' ministry downstairs, and we are having a lot of fun. We're going on this really crazy adventure. And um, at the moment, we have four kids' rooms. Each room has their own curriculum that they run. Each child, if your child comes to kids, they'll experience praise and worship, life groups, a message, Jesus money. Um, You'll have seen our kids host team. That's a new thing this year as you walk into the church. Little kids waving signs, welcoming you. You might have seen Tash, a stormtrooper, Elsa. Got a few fun things happening there. Um, And we've also just done a relaunch of our kids creative. And so that's um, got tech two bands that we have at the moment. All kids run um, and they're on rotation. So they run two services every morning downstairs right now. And um, a little tech team as well, which is super cute. Um, Media and, you know, lights and sound and stuff. So that's really fun. And um, we have a fabulous team down there. I don't know if you've met some of them. You probably have. We have our 18 plus leaders who are like our room leaders and they're fabulous. And then we have our junior leaders, which is our amazing youth ministry that do an incredible job. They're amazing. And um, cuddle mums and then also kids crew, which is grades seven and six. So can you tell we're busy? Really busy down there and we're having a lot of fun and it's really, really exciting. So I couldn't get up here and not give you a little update, but that's what we do every week and that's where you'll find us is downstairs. So over the past couple of weeks, we've been going through the theme of We the Church and I have loved it. I feel like there's something so powerful about taking a couple of weeks out at the beginning of your year and refreshing your identity we the church. And it's been so impacting. So what I did was I spent a little bit of time doing some research about what the Bible says about we the church. Now, I'm a lawyer. I have to put a disclaimer. It is not extensive. The Bible is vast. It is so expansive and detailed about who we are. But this is going to give us a little glimpse. Okay, so we the church. Do we have it? We are a dwelling place, us. So not just the building, not just a room, us. We are the bride of Christ. We are carers of his flock. We are connected together and united. We are holy. We are a pillar of truth. We are planted, confident, hopeful, and praising God. We are God's fellow workers. Crazy, right? God's fellow workers. We are Christ-like and we equip others. We the church, what an image of who we are. What an amazing identity, an amazing mandate for us to live. This is why we engage, connect, disciple and serve. This is why, because we are the church. And I've been reading throughout this couple of weeks that we've been doing We the Church, I've been reading Peter 2, 9 to 12, and he does such a beautiful job of explaining who we are and how we should live. So let's read that. Peter 2, 9 to 12. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a consecrated nation, a special people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies, the wonderful deeds, the virtues and perfections of him who called you 
out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people at all, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as strangers and aliens in this world to abstain from the sensual urges, those dishonorable desires that wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the unsaved Gentiles. Conduct yourself honorably with graciousness and integrity so that for whatever reason they may slander you as evildoers, yet by observing your good deeds, they may instead come to glorify God in the day of visitation when he looks upon them with mercy. Summed up, right? Peter writes so beautifully, so beautifully about who we are and how we are called to live, that we are different, that we actually occupy a different realm, that we are in the world, but not of the world. So how do we dwell in this place? How do we live as we are called to live? My question for you this morning, where do you live? I have to give some um, credit where credit's due. I'm reading Dave Gilpin's Jesus Save Me From Your Followers. Only he could get away with such a title, right? Jesus Save Me From Your Followers. And um, in there, he talks about the 10 seconds of leadership. Second is in place, not time. And he talks about um, the second wind and the second mile. And they just struck such a chord with me that I delved in deeper and deeper. And so this morning, I ask you, do you live in the second mile and have you felt the second wind? The second mile, Matthew 5, 38 to 42. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, punishment that fits the offense. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person who insults you or violates your rights, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other toward him. Also, simply ignore insignificant insults or trivial losses and do not bother to retaliate. Maintain your dignity, your self-respect, your poise. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also, for the Lord repays the offender, and whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. And it's amazing, because when Jesus speaks in the Bible, he was speaking to real people, right? He was like, like this, like he was speaking to real people. And in those days, they understood the concept of the one mile. They got it. And they knew, they were very well aware that it was normal for a Roman soldier to come and force you to carry their load for one mile. So when Jesus starts talking about the one mile, they're like, oh yeah, one mile. That's normal. I have to do that. That's the minimum. That's the basic. That's the standard. But Jesus required the second. Jesus required them to go the second mile. They were prepared to pay the price of the first, but Jesus asked for the second. And this is a concept we see again and again and again throughout the Bible. And I've just picked out three. Matthew 18, 20 to 22, and the disciple comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, how many times should I uh, forgive my enemy? Seven times. And I love this because this is what I would be asking. What's the finer detail? What's the fine print? You tell me I need to forgive my enemies, but how many times do I really need to do this, right? And so he asks this, and Jesus comes back to him and says, no, 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 70 times seven, the second mile. 
Luke 10, 25 to 37, the story of a good Samaritan, where Jesus tells a story of a man who's on the side of the road and he's beaten and he's been robbed and he's left for dead. And two people walk past and they walk past and they look and they keep on going. And they're people that should have known better. One was a priest and they should have known better. And then along comes the Samaritan and he's the guy that has no reason to care. He's the guy that has no reason. Culturally, he should not give two hoots. And he stops, picks him up, cares for him, takes him to the town and pays for his hospital bills. The second mile. Can you imagine sitting there hearing Jesus use your enemies as an example for how you're meant to be living? So confronting. Matthew 25, 14 to 30, the parable of the talents. And here, a boss comes along and he gives each employee some talents. And he gives one employee one talent. And the boss goes away. And this employee decides he's going to do the minimum. He's going to do the basic. And he holds on tight. And he doesn't do anything with the money. He just holds it. And so when the boss comes back, what does he give him? One talent. Here, I kept your one talent safe. And the boss isn't happy. He takes the one talent and he gives it to the guy who was faithful, who invested, who went the second mile. The second mile. It's what we do with what we have. In the first mile, we do what is required, the minimum. In the first mile, you invest in your foundational relationship with the Holy Trinity. And yes, we have to do the first mile well. First mile mandate. Read your word, pray, build your relationship. Most of us are happy to walk the first mile. And then the cost of the second becomes really big. The second mile is only possible by being obedient to the first mile. But church, we aren't called to stop there. Where would I find you this morning? Back in the first mile or in the second? You see, the passive don't live in the second mile. The bitter, they don't live in the second mile. The hesitant don't live in the second mile. But in the second mile, you'll find the home of the revolutionaries. You'll find the home of the passionate. In the second mile, you'll find the church. The second mile means denying your flesh, disregarding your entitlement, swallowing your pride, abandoning self-interest, being slow to anger, and being quick to forgive. The second mile is about doing the basic stuff really well and then keeping on going. I wonder where you live this morning. And you know, I canvassed about what's happening downstairs for you in the kids' ministry. And every week we have leaders come and they are living in that second mile. And you know how I know? Because we have an 8.30 meeting. That's right, they've been here since 8.30. And they're not only coming at 8.30, an odd 30 people coming, meeting together an hour and a half before church starts. They don't just do that. We actually have leaders who get up at seven and drive around the north side and drive around Redcliffe and pick up others to come. We have 16-year-olds who catch two buses to get to church at 
the second mile. And you know how I know that it's not just striving? Because when they get here, their language is, I can't believe I get to do this. It is my greatest privilege to be here, to be serving your kids' church the second mile. Jesus, the ultimate example of living in the second mile, right? Son of God comes to earth and dies for us. Paid the ultimate price. Actually felt hurt, felt loss, felt pain, felt the cost for us. Living in the second mile. Jesus is our motivation, our great love. He is our why. I get asked all the time from friends and family and workmates and whoever, why do you serve? Why do you do this? Why do you come on a Sunday and spend all day at church? Why do you put in time to this thing? They don't get it. And you know, church, the why is really simple. And his name is Jesus. Why? Jesus. Why? Jesus. I believe wholeheartedly, undoubtedly, and completely that the local church is the hope of the world. Do you know what that means? I believe that you, 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 all of you are the hope of our world. You are the hope of the world. It's always about him, always has, and always will be. In the first mile, you develop your foundational relationship with the Holy Trinity. And in the second mile, we outwork our faith. We plant seed, we sacrifice, we are willing to pay great costs. We give again and again and again and again, and we don't hold back. We don't keep a reserve. We, the church, keep believing, keep praying, keep investing, keep sowing, keep inviting, keep serving, and keep giving. Don't give up on what God is asking you to do, church. Don't give up on his word of healing and restoration. Don't give up. No reserve, no holding back, no playing it by the rules. The second mile, live here. It's not seasonal. It's not seasonal. It's not sometimes and it's not a maybe. Living in the second mile is always, it's a, cons- it's a constant, it's deliberate. Choose to live in the second mile. Where would I find you this morning? In the second mile? or in the first? And how? How do we do this? And it's a really, really honest question, and it's a place that we all come to, where we actually are living in the second mile, and we think, how? Because everything I canvassed was great cost, right? It was our flesh dying, putting ourselves aside, giving again and again. That hurts. Yeah, let's be real. That hurts. That costs. So how? How do we live in the second mile? The secret to the second mile is the second wind. Now, I have to be honest. This second wind is a concept that is from long distance running, and I know nothing, like nothing about long distance running. And when I was saying to Ben that I was talking about the second wind, he was laughing, and he was like, did you have to Google this, like what it was? I was like, yeah, 
Like I did. So this is my Google definition. The second wind is a phenomenon where an athlete who is exhausted suddenly finds the strength to press on at top performance with less exertion. And it's interesting because I've never experienced this physically. Like I will be honest. But spiritually, spiritually, I know what this is about. Where you find the strength to press on at top performance with less exertion. In the second mile, we have a choice. It's like a fork in the road, and we choose to rely on our own strength or on his. I wonder if you are here this morning, and I'm talking about the second mile, and you're thinking to yourself, I live there, and it is really hard. I live there, and I don't think I can keep doing it. I wonder if you are here this morning, living in the second mile, but running in your own strength. 1 Peter 5.10 After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who imparts his blessing and favor, who called you to his own eternal glory in Christ, will himself, not you, he will complete, confirm, strengthen, and establish you, making you what you ought to be. And the next one, 2 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times. I wonder if that is you this morning, pleading with him, that it might leave me. But he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough, always available, regardless of the situation, for my power is being perfected and is completed and shows itself most effectively in your weakness. Therefore, I will all the more gladly boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may completely enfold me and may dwell in me. So I am well pleased with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, and with difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak in human strength, then I am strong, truly able, truly powerful, truly drawing from God's strength. He is our strength. When we are living in the second mile and giving again and again and again and again, when we are choosing to be obedient in this place, We must choose to rely on God. We must choose his strength over our own. And Dave Gilpin puts it so beautifully and he says, the second wind is the wind of the spirit filling the sails of someone who has finally nailed their colors to the mast saying, not my will be done, Lord, but yours. Not my will, God, but yours. In this place, we die to ourselves and rest in God's strength. Ephesians 6, 10 to 12. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord, draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him and in the power of his boundless might, put on the full armor of God for his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavily armed soldier so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. We need to realize that we don't live in this place. This is not our reality. We are the church. We get to rely on the second wind the strength of God to push on at top performance with less exertion. Like a runner, we need to get over that mental block. 
when everything in our body and our mind is telling us to focus on the cost, focus on the sacrifice, focus on the pain, we actually need to push on and remember who, who we are doing this for, why we are doing this, whose strength we rely on. Resting on God is a concept that goes against the world, where everything is fast-paced and vigor is better and we're meant to look after ourselves first. The Holy Spirit nudges and he says, come away with me. Let's spend time together. My favorite um, story, Martha and Mary, it's Luke 10, 38 to 42, if you're taking notes. Um, You have this image of Martha and she's cooking and cleaning and she's hosting Jesus. She is. And then you have Mary sitting in the presence of Jesus, loving him, hosting him in a completely different way. And Martha gets to this point and she's doing all this stuff and she turns to Jesus and she says, come on, like, aren't you going to tell her? Look, look at me. And Jesus is so gracious and loving when he corrects her and he says, well, you missed it, Martha. You missed it. And I love this because I'm Martha. Any other Marthas here? I'm Martha. I'm the person that is happy to run in the second mile in my own strength. And we actually need to teach our flesh where to stick it. Yeah? We actually need to teach our flesh who is sovereign in our lives. Rest is about perspective because they were both hosting Jesus. They were both hosting Jesus, but Mary had the perspective to see that relationship, that the presence of God, that's always first. That's always the baseline. We, the church, will only live in our identity when we wake up and realize it's about how we live and who we live with. We need to stop focusing on the cost, stop allowing the mental block and remind ourselves who we serve. We actually need to start renewing our minds daily in his word, yeah? Speaking out our identity, reminding ourselves of who we actually are. Who are you? I wonder if you are here this morning and you are living in the second mile, but in your own strength. Dave Gilpin writes, Jesus Christ is currently trading in church building, soul saving, disciple making opportunities at the isolated outpost where faith meets brokenness. Where faith meets brokenness. Now I want you to know this morning that if you are tired and worn out, if you are looking at the cost and saying it is so high, know that there is an opportunity today and there is an opportunity every day to choose Jesus, to choose to rely on his strength. Church, let's live in the second mile. Let's live in that space. Let's live in our identity. Let's actually be the church. Keep going, keep choosing him, keep being the church. I love this. Face forward and develop a memory for the future 
and not the past. Develop a memory for the future and not the past. Do you know what he says about you? Do you know who you are? We actually need to learn to develop a memory for who we are and what he says rather than what our circumstance or our past dictated. Let's step into our identity, live in the second mile and run reliant on God. Very quiet in here. Yeah? Great. I'm going to hand over to Pastor Sam. Mysterious moment. Thanks, Romy. I'll get the band back up. Living in the second mile. I I love her concept of Mary Martha. Is that in order to live in the second mile, we actually just need to rest. And I I find this is that there are a lot of people that they're they're so busy within life, and especially when you've got a family as well, is we've got to realize that our family is a ministry as well. And I I love how Romy brought it this morning. And there's some of us, you know, we're actually not even in the first mile. Some Christians aren't even in the first mile. They're not even opening their Bible. They're not even into that. So how can we actually physically go to the second mile? And the second mile is lived in His Spirit, is lived with the power of God within our lives. And I know from my life, sometimes, you know, with family and raising a kid, and that is, raising kids, that is my ministry, as well as what I do outside of that, is that I do need to just sit and rest at the feet of God too. And I love the concept of the wind. Phenomenal concept. Because I tell you what, I haven't got to where I am. Caroline and I couldn't do our marriage, couldn't do what we have right now without that second wind. Because it's a supernatural voice of God giving us keys. Because we are busy, but it just gives us keys in order to do things right. And this morning, I would love that if we just stand, and I'm going to ask Romy to come up and we're going to, I wanted to pray. I wanted to pray and I don't know where you're at. Every individual is different. Each and every one of us are different. We have different circumstances. We have different life things that are going on. We have different positions, different. And for some of us, we have different capacities, which is fine. It's not about doing more. It's just about being in him more. And in when you're truly connected with the source the life giver, Christ himself, is when we live in our fullness, is when we live in what God has called us to do without even trying. And then we look back and it's like for us, we look at our kids and we're like, wow, they turned out all right. It's a supernatural. It's like you look at work and you, you work around and you're like, wow, I, I certainly faked that. Well, no, maybe it was the Spirit of God. I believe that all of us in this place, we need to live in that second. And the only way you live in the second, I love it, is just at the feet of God. Because sometimes we can be busy doing all this stuff and miss the keys, miss the opportunities. Living in the second mile should never be hard. Would you just like to close your eyes, bow your heads, Romy? like to pray. Come on this morning. Holy Spirit, 
We thank you that you walk with us. We turn our ears towards you this morning and hear what you have to say. Jesus, that you will breathe fresh hope into our situations, that as we take this time to focus on you, that you will give us those keys, that you will give us those whispers, those nudgings, Lord, that we may be all the more receptive towards them in our week. Lord, as we go out, that we will listen, that we will hear, that our ears will be turned towards you, that we will find those moments to be with you. And Lord, I thank you for the first mile mandate. I thank you that we will do basic really well, that as we open our word, that there will be divine intervention there, that our answers will be there. Lord, I thank you that you meet us, that where we seek, we we will find you. And for the second mile, Lord, Lord, breathe again. For those living in the second mile that are tired, breathe again. For that second wind, for your beautiful Holy Spirit, for your grace and mercy, Lord. We thank you. Thank you, Lord. right now, just as our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I don't know everyone in this room, but I want to ask this question, is that of every individual, do you have a relationship with God? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? If you, You've probably heard this message from Romy, you've probably come in and you've seen what's going on, and you're like, I, I want the relationship, I, I want that extra help, I, I want to know a God that has that has my best interests at heart. If you're like that this morning, I would love just to pray with you just quickly. And As I look across, while no one's looking, if you just raise your hand so I can just include you in a prayer just at the end here. As I look across. Yeah, thanks for the hand. Thank you. Does anyone else want to join the gentleman? Father God, you see hearts in this place. You see hands, but you see hearts more. And Lord God, Father, look into the hearts of every individual here. Father God, those that are right now making a decision, those that are right now wanting to press deeper into you, those that are right now that maybe don't know you, but for the first time they're saying, I want to know you. Today, Father God, cement it with your spirit. Lord God, seal it as they declare that you are Lord and Savior of their life. And from this moment on, Father, I, I pray that they As they turn to you, Father, those things that hold them back will be broken off their life and they'll be set free to walk with you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give him a hand.